Good afternoon. We're very glad you're able to join with us at our open-air witness on Buchanan Street in Glasgow City Centre. We're glad you're here in person, and we're also glad that you're able to join us on our live stream. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing with a local congregation. We meet at Two Thornwood Terrace. That is just up Dumbarton Road, and you'll come to the police station. And opposite the police station, if you go up the hill there, it's quite a steep hill, I acknowledge, but if you go up the hill, you'll come to Thornwood Primary School. And we are next door at the crossroads, and we would extend a warm welcome to you to come along any Lord's Day, that's any Sunday, at... 11 a.m. or again in the early evening at 6 p.m. And we also have a midweek meeting, Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. So please come along. It may well be that you're not familiar with a church service and you may feel somewhat apprehensive or embarrassed about coming along. Please don't. We will make you very, very welcome. We'll not ask you to do anything. You will be made most welcome. And we simply want to tell you something more about the Christian gospel and of its relevance to every single one of us today. It may well be, too, that as you're here, you you might like to have a, a Bible and you don't have a Bible and it may well be that you don't even know where to get one and as far as I can see it's quite difficult to buy a Bible I think you'll find it difficult in the city center to buy a Bible or obtain a Bible well if you would like a Bible please make yourself known to myself or to one of the gentlemen who are handing out gospel tracts here, and we'll endeavor to supply you with a Bible free of charge. All that we ask is that you would read it. No obligation, no obligation whatsoever. We simply ask that you would read it. And if you're looking for some advice, we would advise you to begin with one of the gospels in the New Testament, maybe Mark's gospel, or possibly John's Gospel to begin your discovery of the Christian faith. And indeed, all that we want to say to you today is based around the Word of God. This is our textbook. This is our rule book. This is what we preach from. This is how we seek to live. We are governed by the book. We are people of the book. We're not ashamed to say this because ultimately... The Bible is God's Word. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, we are told. Let me find the quotation in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all 
good works. Well, this afternoon, friends, <clears throat> as we're enabled by the Lord, we want to seek to tell you something about the gospel. What is the gospel? Uh, that's a bit rude, is it not, to say in the middle of the high street, in public, that's language unbecoming of a young lady, surely, would you not say? Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. There's an exhortation from Solomon, who was the wisest man in the world in his time. And he had lived life. He had got everything this life could give him. He had riches. He had honor. He had prestige. He had wealth. He had wisdom. And his advice after living in the world, his advice to the young, remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. And there's an exhortation to the young, to the young people, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in the days of their youth. You know, many young people are inclined to think, well, especially when they might leave their homes and they might not, where their parents might not have the same kind of influence over them as they once had. They're out in the world and they want to live their life as they want. Well, the Bible tells us, tells these young people to devote themselves to Christ in the days of their youth. Give your life, give the best part of your life Serve the Lord Jesus Christ while you have all your faculties, while you're fit, while you're firm, before sin takes a hold upon you. Because, friends, there's evil days coming. What are the evil days he's talking about? The evil days are the days of old age. And how are they evil? They are evil because... You will not be able to do the things that you once did when you were young. You will not have the same strength. You will not have the same vigor. You will not have the same mind. Life itself will be far more difficult for you when you become older. And sin will have a greater hold upon you when you get older. And old habits will be hard to cast off. And repentance will be hard when you get older. That's why we're urged to remember now our Creator in the days of thy youth. That's why the Gospel tells us, repent and believe the Gospel. Repent. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day when we are to turn from our sins and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You may well be asking me, Minister, what, what are you talking about? I'm not a sinner. Maybe that's what you're, you're saying to me. Well, what can I say to you? Well, I simply quote what the Bible says. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us has sinned. 
There are no exceptions. Young people have sinned. Old people have sinned. Children have sinned. We're all sinners in the sight of God. We might be law-abiding citizens. And it could well be that the police have nothing to say to us. We may not have committed any crime as far as the, the law of the land is concerned. But you'll not be judged according to the law of this world. You'll be judged by law. By God Himself. Now what is His law? God has given us a law, friends. You have it in your heart. But because of sin, that law is not as clear as it should be to you. It's smudged. It's scarred. It's defaced. It is somewhat out of focus as far as your heart is concerned. But that's why God has given it to us codified. He has given it to us in the Word of God. He has given it to us in the Ten Commandments. Can we quickly run through the Ten Commandments? Well, perhaps we can. In Exodus chapter 20, we find Moses, the great Old Testament prophet Moses. He was receiving the Ten Commandments from God. And God wrote the Ten Commandments upon tables of stone. And He wrote them with His own finger. And that was to remind us, or to teach us, that the law of God is permanent. Because God gave other laws to Moses at the same time. But they were not written personally by God. And they were not written upon stone. And therefore the Ten Commandments that we have received, that are inscribed upon our hearts but defaced, and also written out here in codified form in Exodus chapter 20, reveal God's will for us. This is how God wants us to live. First of all, He says, Thou shalt have no other gods before Me. You are to worship the one true and the living God. You are to have no other gods whatsoever. God will not tolerate any competitors. He is a jealous God. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. That's quite simply telling us you are to worship God the way that God has prescribed, the way that God has laid down for us. We cannot worship God using images, as some do. That's idolatry. The third commandment, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who taketh his name in vain. How often do you hear the name of God taken in vain today? How often even in the playground and in the nursery do you hear God's name being blasphemed? And we think little of it. Well, friends, God thinks a lot of it. 
Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who taketh his name in vain. The fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day. In the Old Testament, it was the seventh day of the week. But ever since the coming of Christ and the resurrection, it is now the first day of the week. That is the Christian Sabbath. And you are to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That means no shopping, no working. Only works of necessity and only works of mercy are allowed on the Sabbath day. It's a day for the private and public worship of God. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. How many of us break the Sabbath day? Obviously. What is the fifth commandment? Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. How many people honor their mother and father? How many people honor their parents? How many people despise their parents? And when their parents get to a certain age and they need some, someone to look after them, they're not inclined to do it. It's beyond them. It's beneath them. Honor thy father and thy mother, the Bible says. Thou shalt not kill. We're not allowed to murder. It's against the law of God. But if we go to the New Testament, friends, we will find that Jesus opens up this commandment and explains its application. In other words, it's not just concerned about physical murder. It's also concerned about murder by words. In other words, if you vent your spleen against someone without a cause, if you're angry and nasty towards someone without a cause, that is murder by words. And Jesus went further. If you hate someone in your heart without a good reason, then that's murder in the heart. He goes on. The seventh commandment. Thou shalt not commit adultery. This is not just simply talking about physical adultery. Of course, it's talking about physical adultery, but not only physical adultery. If you are viewing pornography, that is committing adultery. If you lust a man or a woman in your heart, that is committing heart adultery. You see, friends, the law of God is spiritual. It's not just concerned about what we do with our hands and our feet. It is also concerned about our very thoughts. Our thoughts have to be perfect in the sight of God. Thou shalt not steal. It's very easy to steal, is it? You can go into a shop and steal something. That's obvious. But if you don't pay your tax, that's stealing. 
if you don't give what's rightly due to the authorities, that's stealing. If the cashier in the shop gives you back too much change and you keep it, that is stealing. The ninth commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness, no lying. That's a very apt and appropriate commandment for today because we are surrounded by liars, innuendo, fake news, propaganda, speculation, how difficult it is to get someone to tell the truth. You have to be very careful when you listen to any kind of media because usually they have an agenda and they tend to turn the news to their own particular slant. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. You are to say the truth at all times. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. In other words, you're not to desire something that doesn't belong to you. You're not to have an inordinate desire for things. You are to be content with what the Lord your God has given you. There is a very brief summary of the Ten Commandments. Now, friends, if you have been listening you surely must have come to the realization that you have broken God's law. You have broken God's law. Now you might think that's not important. Well, it's important to God. And it will also be very important to you one day. Because you will meet this God. And you will give account. And how will you fare on that day when you stand before Him? How are you doing? Yes, you do, sir. You'll stand before Him. How do you know? How do you know? You'll stand before Him. You'll give account of what you've done. We are reminded about that, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We have dwelt for a few moments upon the Ten Commandments, and surely we have come to the conclusion that we have broken God's law. Therefore, if we have broken God's law, we are guilty before him. Something needs to be done, because God will punish the sinner. What is the good news of the gospel then? The good news of the gospel is that someone has come down from heaven. He has taken our form and our nature. He has become like us. He's lived in this sin-cursed world. He was tempted in every point. As we are tempted, sin only accepted. He lived a perfect life. And because he lived a perfect life, he was able then to offer up a perfect sacrifice that would satisfy the just demands of God's most holy and inflexible law. Because the law says 
the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And that's why Jesus Christ came to this world, lived a perfect life, gave up a perfect sacrifice in order to save sinners who couldn't save themselves. And that's why we come out this afternoon that we might draw your attention to this glorious, to this wonderful, this powerful, all-willing Savior, that you might put your faith and hope and trust upon Him. You have broken God's law. And because of that, you deserve to be punished. That's what God does. But He has provided a way of escape. He Himself has devised a way whereby sinners who have offended Him might be reconciled to Him. Is that not glorious? Is that not wonderful? Is that not good news today? Is this not something that you need to hear today? That there is a way to escape? There's a way for your sins to be forgiven? All of your sins? Every single one? To be forgiven? To be reconciled to God? Friends, this is not something to despise. This is something to take on board. Because the day will come when the day of grace shall be taken from us and we shall stand before King Jesus and He will be our judge. Today we are presenting Him to you as a Savior. A one who died in the room and in the, in the place of sinners. That's why the Apostle Paul said, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came the world to save sinners. And the Apostle Paul goes on to say, and I want you to notice this, and to notice the present tense, of whom I am chief. He is saying, as he writes this, telling us that Jesus Christ has come into the world to save sinners, that he's a chief of sinners. Saved. He is saved. All his sins have, have been forgiven. And indeed, he was a notable sinner. He was a religious man. He was a Pharisee. And he thought he lived a righteous life. And he was persecuting the church. But one day he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. He was on the road to Damascus. And he was about to persecute the Christians in Damascus. And he was going to take them back to Jerusalem in order for them to be punished. And he met the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was converted. And instead of being a persecutor, he became a preacher. And he was appointed an apostle to go forth to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And even as a Christian even as a godly Christian, even as an experienced Christian, he recognized that he was still a sinner. He was still a sinner. But Jesus Christ had saved him. Now, let me ask you for the few moments that you pass by, do you know anything of conversion? Do you know anything of having your sins forgiven? I'm not asking you, do you go to church? I'm not asking you, do you, do you read your Bible? I'm not asking you, do you pray? I'm asking you, friends, have you been converted? Have you come to that point in your experience when you cried out to the Lord Jesus Christ that He might save you? This is what it is to be in Christ. 
It's a new creature. Therefore, we're told in God's Word, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He's talking about conversion. He's talking about being transformed. He's talking about being a new man. This is what Christianity is about. It's about new life, friends. It's about new life, and that new life is found only in Him. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He has turned his back on his old life. He has repented. He has seen the folly of his ways. He has turned from his adultery. He has turned from his fornication. He has turned from his blasphemy. He has turned from lying, cheating, stealing. He has turned away from his gossiping. He has turned away from his bitterness. He has turned over. The life of God has come into him and he has been transformed and changed. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Do you know anything of this, friends? Do you know anything of the new life of Christ? This is, what we, this is what Christ gives to us. This is what He does. Therefore, we are told in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that wonderful chapter, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful position to be in. No condemnation. None whatsoever. Why is that? The only reason is that Jesus has been condemned in our room and in our place. He has taken the condemnation that was due unto us. What must you do? You must repent. What does that mean? It means you must turn away from your old life your old life of sin, you must take up the cross and you must follow the Lord Jesus Christ. He must be your Lord and your Savior. You must have Him on the throne of your heart and you're following a new ruler, a new king, even King Jesus Himself. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It's been good to be with you here this afternoon. We're going to take a short break, but may the Lord bless His Word to you this afternoon.